Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Morning in New York City. Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Alan Hahn with Key. And all right, I'll take your advice now. You just heard it in the rejoin. Don't get excited about the preseason. I'm not excited about anything now. I can't. You can't if you're a Jets fan. You're not allowed to ever feel good or have some anticipation or some hope or anything. You're not allowed to have it. They squash it every time. And it happened yesterday. It happened yesterday. And I know you're going to tell me. I'll speak for you. You're going to tell me they weren't going to win anything anyway this year. They're a grow. They're too Why young of a need team. I tell you that when you already know it. Well, that's right. That's why I'm saying it. I'm going to say it before you say it to me. I know. I, I, don't, I wasn't saying playoffs. I wasn't saying this is going to be a year. I wasn't saying Super Bowl. None of that. What I was saying was, is it's the coaching staff is new, and I kind of like them. It's a young team, and they got some talent. Yeah. The defense, like, like there was that feeling again of, I like the direction this team is going in. Five, I like Joe Doug. Stop. Five or six games. Five I don't. Or six games. But I, I felt good about the team for the and first time win five or six. in at least four or five years. Yeah. Since Todd Bowles was coaching this team where they should have made the playoffs and didn't, they lost that last game in Buffalo, which is another story. Five or six games. Okay, great. That's good for them. That's fine. And you show progress with a young quarterback. You get some good defensive players, and you just show progress. And it looks like a professional football team and not a ragtag operation. Except every time you get to that point. The Jets, as a fan, remind you they're the Jets. Because, because an injury happens like that to Carl Lawson. But you, you haven't had a pass rusher here in such a long time. You finally get one, Gatsuno. as you mentioned, defense. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> John, John Abraham. But you finally get somebody like that. You have C.J. Mosley back. And remember, C.J. Mosley got hurt. He had a great first half as a Jet the problem, two years ago, the and then he got hurt and everything fell apart. So it just happens all the time. Taper the expectations and you'll be fine. It's not about expectations, Key. No. It wasn't about that. Yeah, it was it about is. liking what you saw and much, wanting to settle in. And Bring that down. It is too much and as a it, fan to enjoy your team actually develop. functioning like a good team? you, you got to let it develop, though. Just You want to see it be a real organiz, organized yeah. team. Yeah. And they are. Yeah, they signed a guy that I thought this is going to be special. Add him to C.J. Mosley. Carl Lewis is going to be great. And then he pops his Achilles in a practice. You were there. Stop it. You were there in 99 when that team was supposed to be a Super Bowl team. You were on but that team. it was team. a game. Vinny got hurt in a game. In week one. It was a game. It, in week one. Yeah. And the next guy coming out is Rick Myrer. <laughs> like, that's Rick. what you had to look at. I got to watch this guy? Ooh. Yeah, well, how did that work out for Not us? good. Not good. Chad Pennington. That was that team with calls. They, they, they got a bunch of guys. They bring him in, have a chance to be a Super Bowl team. Everybody got hurt, including Chad Pennington. He gets hurt. It just, they just, the floor drops out from under you every time as a Jets fan. As a, this is the life of a Jets fan. There's Lucy, there's the football, and I'm Charlie Brown. You know what's coming next, but you can't help it. You're running every time to the football. That's the life of a Jets fan, and that's what yesterday felt This was like. their big offseason move defensively, and they're going to have to wait a year. To oh, cash yeah. in on. Wait a year. Wait That's another all. year. Wait a year. Wait a year. Wait a year. You know who? You know who understands this? Not necessarily from the fan perspective. From the, the there's always next year perspective is Rich Semini, who covers the Jets for us at ESPN. And in fact, he's uh, Rich. You've covered the Jets since they were called the Titans, if I'm not mistaken, right? <laughs> not quite. But I was there in '99 when Vinny got hurt, and uh. Keyshawn was so upset after the game that he slammed the interview podium with his fist. And I, I remember that vividly. 
but you know that was a totally different. I mean, that was a Super Bowl contending yes. team. You know, but th- what happened? Like he is right. I mean, the Jets with Lawson or without, they're not going to go to the playoffs. But I still understand the angst of the Jets fan. It's tough. It's just the idea of, and you get what I'm saying, right? And, and what what was what was going to at least be a strong suit for them, the defense. You felt like that that would have been something to watch. And yeah, okay. So we're being told this is a developing team with a young quarterback and some young players. Okay, that's fine. But I like to be able to watch it develop with all the pieces in place and start to see what this could become. But without him there and not knowing, the unknown is coming back from the Achilles now and still be explosive, which is obviously what he needs to do, the disruptor that he is. Well, now there's another question, which we thought maybe that question was answered. Haven't had a pass rush in such a long time. Having a guy like this in such a long time. Well, now it's like, do you got to find another one like this? That's the frustration, Rich. Well, yeah, I mean, this this will have linger. The ripple effects will be felt for a long time because Achilles is the worst injury you could have, especially I was texting with a former player yesterday, a defensive player, and said, especially for a speed rusher, his game is all about get off. You know, he had one of the fastest get offs in the NFL last year among edge rushers. And so you have to wonder you know, how that will impact him even next season if he'll be a little bit slower. And uh, it's tough. I mean, this guy works like a maniac. He is a guy who's in the gym all the time. I mean, take a look, one look at his upper body, and you'll know that. But this is, this is a tough injury. So who replaces him in the defensive line rotation? Well, it's a name that's probably not on the tips of the sporting public, Keyshawn. It's, it's Bryce Huff. He's a second-year player out of Memphis. He was an undrafted rookie last year. Played a little bit. Uh, played a little bit the other night against the Giants. He actually had two sacks. He's uh, he's a Carl Lawson type in, in body type. You know, that shorter type guy, about 255 pounds. He's got some pass rush skills, but he's not Carl Lawson. He doesn't have that type of explosiveness. And so the They'll go by committee. I think ultimately, uh, Vinny Curry is on the roster. He's injured right now. I think eventually he'll come back and get into what looks as like it'll be a really big, you know, committee at defensive end. So now the Jets are looking for a lot of defensive help. Quentin Williams is entering his third year. How important is this year for him? Well, it's it's huge. I mean, he, he, the pressure just got a little bigger on him because he and Carl, the, the plan was to have them work in tandem. Quinn in the three technique, Carl outside, and now I think there's even more pressure on Quinn. And now he's not going to play on Saturday uh, in Green Bay. He's still coming off that surgically repaired foot. But they, they're hoping that he will be back uh, at practice next week, you know, taking some significant reps. It's a big year for him. It's his third year. We all know what that means in the NFL for first-round pick. You know, if you have a, a good year, you know, he's eligible for a new contract next offseason so that's that's the motivation for quinning rich Amini joins us right now on the goodyear hotline covers the jets for us at espn um zach wilson obviously is one of the big stories or maybe even the main story for this team i keep going back to this rich he's it there's no safety net after him i mean they're as all in as you possibly can be on him because any other all the other quarterbacks that have been taking in the first round this year there is an option. Even Trevor Lawrence, as much as it sounds silly, there is Gardner Minshew there yeah. who has taken snaps, who's been a starter, who's done some things. The Jets, it's it's Zach Wilson and no one else right now. Is is that really what they're doing this season, or do you expect them at some point, whether it's Nick Foles or something, to bring in a veteran uh, behind him who can be that safety net in case things go really bad for him early? 
Yeah, I mean, I really uh, don't like what they're doing here. But, I mean, if you asked me a month or so ago, I, I would have said, yeah, they're going to get a backup in there. But, you know, everything they've said and the way it looks is they're going to go with what they have. I think Mike White will be the backup, a former Dallas draft pick who's basically spent a couple of years on practice squads. So he's going to be the backup. And uh, it is a very unusual situation. The Jets will be the first team to go into a season without any quarterbacks having regular season experience since 2013, which is, you know, a long time in the NFL. And that year they actually did it with Geno Smith and Matt Sims. So uh, this happens like maybe once almost every decade. I don't agree with the strategy. I think you need a veteran guy just in case something happens, but uh, they're apparently not going in that direction. Rich, what are the expectations tonight? Um, in Wilson's second preseason game? Well, he'll play longer for sure. I mean, he only had two series in the first game. He'll probably go three or four series. That's their plan. And he really, <laughs> the expectations is get the ball in the end zone. You know, I, I recall a former coach once saying that a quarterback's job is to get his team in the end zone, as Sean would know. I'm sure he heard that a few times from Bill. But, uh, you know, they, got, they only had a field goal last time. Otherwise, Zach was really sharp. I mean, he hit the right receiver. He threw the ball accurately with velocity. He didn't force anything. So all he does, if he could just hit the rewind button and do it all over again, except this time finish off the drive, I think that's what you'd be looking for. Rich Key always says this, that that veterans will let you know about a young quarterback. Veterans will let you know if that's a guy that's ready, that they want to see, they want to be out there with. We've seen already, like in Chicago, the way the veterans have been talking about Justin Fields. We hear it about even a young quarterback like Jalen Hurts, the way those players were in Philadelphia even late last season, about the difference of having him in the huddle. What are what are, are there? I know it's a young team, but but what are some veterans saying about Zach Wilson and what they feel about him? What's the vibe about Zach Wilson? Even though you know he's the guy, but are his teammates looking at him and saying, "Yeah, that's a guy I want to rock with"? Yeah, I mean it's been nothing but positive. But you know, as you alluded to earlier, Alan, I mean it's kind of like an arranged marriage. I mean they they're stuck with the guy. You know, they, <laughs> there's no other veteran in that in the locker room that they could say, "Wow, I wish we had him at quarterback." So, uh, and that's one of the reasons why the Jets set it up this way. They want Zach to be able to establish himself as a leader right from the get go. And it's been all positive. The one thing that players, a common theme that keeps coming up is the uh, ability in the classroom as well. You know, just asking a lot of questions in the classroom. He seems very inquisitive, uh, work ethic. You know, they just say he's a humble guy. He's not coming in here like he owns the place. And I, I thought that was kind of interesting because you heard things at BYU that, you know, there was some arrogance. You know, he thought he was entitled a little bit. You heard some of those rumblings during the pre-draft process, but I have not heard any of that with the Jets. Just like me, Rich. He's just like I was. Very yeah, well. A little different. <laughs> a, a little different. But uh, that's a, that's a probably that would be the contrast. I would think. Rich, we got to have a Keyshawn Johnson story. As you mentioned, you did cover the team back then when when he was drafted and part of that team. Obviously, the team that went to the AFC Championship game. You've got to have a good moment where you had an interaction with him that is memorable for you. Well, there's probably a few. Maybe I'll keep off air. But <laughs> um, well, no, just just uh, he just raised he raised a very good point about the differences in their personality. You know. Zach being kind of a quiet, more humble type guy. I remember, you know, Keyshawn's first game 
which was in Denver. The Jets opened up in Denver, and they got slaughtered by the Broncos. And I, I think Neil O'Donnell was sacked about seven or eight times. <laughs> and there was so much anticipation for that year because the Jets went out and got all these free agents, and they drafted Keyshawn first. And I think a couple of days later, Keyshawn made – I don't know if it was to me or the other reporters – was sort of openly wondering slash criticizing, you know, like, when am I getting the ball? You know, and I thought, like, wow, this guy's just a rookie. He barely played in his first game, and here he is already publicly campaigning for more touches. And But that that's who Keyshawn was. You know, he knew he was good. He wanted the ball. And sure enough, I think by the second game, maybe the third, he was in the starting lineup, and, you know, the rest is history. Well, that's why they drafted me, Rich. What the hell they drafted me yeah, for? Right. Have, wide receiver have, me, first have then... me standing over there like a cardboard cutout, <laughs> a show pony. I wanted you to give the I story. Think scored, Nick. I think I think you scored against Denver, but it was a garbage-time uh, touchdown late in the game when you got in. No, I think it was, and, uh, it was just a 50-yard yeah, 50 catch is uh-oh. what it was. That's all it was, yeah. just yeah. a 50-yard catch? But I wanted you to tell the story about you being duped when you had my book before everybody else. I wanted you to tell a writer to never do what you did. Uh-oh. That's well, what I was you hoping you would share. Okay. Yeah, well, I want yeah. you to go that road. What's this now? Well – well, I actually duped Keyshawn and his agent because I got his book. Of course, we're talking about, you know, Just Give Me the Damn Ball, mm-hmm. which came out in 1997, which he was very critical of, of many, many teammates and coaches. And so I got a copy before the release date, which I thought was a feather in my cap. And I made a, I made a rookie mistake. What I did was I, was I I saw all the criticisms. I mean, he was just ripping – Everybody, most notably Wayne Corbett and Neil O'Donnell and the coaches, and this was great stuff. And, of course, this was going to be the back page of the New York Daily News the next day, but the mistake I made is I tried calling those people to get their comments, and word eventually got to Keyshawn's camp that I had a copy of the book. And so they had a preemptive strike, and they released galleys of the book, excerpts to all the other beat writers, uh, which stole some of my thunder although i did have stuff they didn't have because i had the entire book so i made a rookie mistake Sean's never let me forget it nope i'm not um, uh, nope but uh and he trashed me in the book too i should have pointed that out me, which upset my mother a lot back in those days but i i kind of let it go but uh Oh, it's all good now. I yeah. think I think we're in a good place, right, Keith? Oh yeah, you my guy, man. Oh, that's the ultimate petty. Yeah, though, but right? it was a funny story. Yeah. I, I duped him, and then he pulled the okie doke, and he duped me. <laughs> and the book came out exclusive. the night, you know, before right. the Daily News back page. Oh, you don't have exclusive because everybody yeah, else yeah, got yeah. it. Oh, 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 you got a copy of it, did you? Well, let's now slide it over to everybody else and make sure so you don't have that exclusive anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I just the the to me the the thing that kept recurring in the book that I thought was the funniest is and I think it had to be done on purpose is every Wayne Corbett reference was little. The word little was used on every single reference involving Corbett. And that just like I looked at that as less being like petty and more just being funny. Like the more I did it, the more I laughed. So I don't know if that was a joke, but it felt like one to me. Rich, always good to I catch up. I remember asking Parcells his reaction yeah. to the book and I think I think his eyes burned holes through me uh, when I asked him about that. He, he, it happened on his watch because he was the coach by the time it came out. Right. And clearly he, he wanted nothing to do with commenting on that book. <laughs> he kind of 
and kind of buried that controversy. Yeah, he threw he threw Sal Powell out the locker room during the draft because he told Sal he, he did. don't ask me anything about the book. And Sal went on live. I mean, on live, it was like, "Hey, Keisha, but get out!" <laughs> <laughs> I told you not. Yeah, to ask. that is a true story. <laughs> oh man, yeah, Rich, Rich good, has good seen. times, right? Oh yeah, no, we have fun. Rich has seen just I about those times. everything with this organization, and now, of course, the latest with the injury to Carl Lawson. Rich, always good to catch up. Thanks, my man. All right, Samini. All right, guys, good talking to you. Have right. a good one, Rich Samini. He's been covering the team for a very very long time. Oh, I used time. to get those beat writers to hell. If you were on the beat then, oh, I would have just fried you. You forget. I, you don't remember, obviously, but how could you forget me? I'm 6'6", six, six covering a team. I mean, most of the guys look, look you, like... You're not on the beat. We I wasn't on the beat, but I was around. I oh, was a okay. ba- I was a kid. I was a kid, so I was like a backup. Like, they'd send me off days and stuff oh, see, like that, so yeah, I was around. I probably, but, but you guys didn't... Like, game days and stuff, like, I did a few games... But I would have to do specific stories. So I, when you when you talk, no, but I mean like you had a crowd. So I mean like a every day, like yeah, Rich yeah, yeah, and yeah. Those There wasn't guys. much one on one going and, on. And it was like Rich Zamini and Dave Hutchison yep. and Hutch. Randy Lang yep. and Bob Glauber. Like I would see them every Jerry Eskenazi, like every single day. They'd come and sit, yeah. and you see them every day for a couple of hours. Because they couldn't watch practice, Bill would just yeah. get out of here. You're out of the bubble. And then they would come and and We'd uh, sit in that room. You know, sit there. Yeah. Yeah. You know that you know that little media room. Then you guys would come in. There would be a podium in there, mm-hmm. and then you guys would come in. So a lot of times, you know, there wasn't oh, much would, of the interaction. I would give them so much hell and just do it on purpose. You know, just because I was just being a jerk. <laughs> just because you wanted to. Well, I like them though. So unlike they're you. all like so cool. They're all cool. But that's the funny thing. You say that, and yet the way you treated some media members, they felt like you hated them. Well, that's their own problem, right. not mine. <laughs> Just because I like having fun. Right. That's, a lot, that's how a lot of people feel, you know. They don't really know. It's like, oh, my God, should I say this? Should I not say that? He's going to – I'm like, no, I'm the easiest dude going. Be honest with me, though. You knew what the Jets were before you got there. Like, well, you I were drafted by I thought them. that we were going to be good because, like Rich said, we, but, we had all these – High price free agents. Mm-hmm. Plus, I came. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay. Yo, Donald just went to a Super Bowl. Like, like. Yeah. You know, he, so he, I'm, he, I'm young. I'm not even knowing, man. I'm coming out of college. All I know is it's New York City. It's the pros. Neil O'Donnell's in the Super Bowl. So you didn't Bowl. have this thing Jeff about the Graham Jets is, being like no, this, this cursed know. franchise. No, I had no idea. None at all. Zero. Now, after you left, did you have a different view of the franchise? No, I didn't. I thought that they screwed up for trading me, but that's on them. Well, think about all the things that went down there. Bill Belichick didn't want yeah. to be the HC of yeah. NYJ. I get Parcells it. stepped aside. I get Ownership it. changed. But I didn't. And then I'm you. too young. I was too young to understand, fully understand, the dynamics around all of that. When I was, I was at the press conference when Bill decided not to take the job. Right. So I'm just like, like, oh, damn, my coach. Well, now what do we do? Yeah. I, I I was too young. I, didn't, I just didn't understand what was going on. So you laugh at me then when I go through the angst of what I call the curse of the swamp. I mean, since this franchise has moved to the Meadowlands, it's been nothing but, you know, fake spike misery. I mean, it's just, it's just constant butt fumble, fake spike. Like, oh, just all this stuff that happens. That, you know, and, and in between it, it's those teases of Rex Ryan of, getting the team to, you know, back-to-back of, championship games, the, the 98 championship yeah. appearance. You know, those things that tease you, and then there's always, though, in between it, those just absolute gut punches of so, Vinny and the so, Achilles, Chad and the shoulder, on and on and on So we go. if the Jets 
at some point in time in your lifetime, God willing, get to the Super Bowl, it's going to be like what just happened with the Chicago Cubs. For me? Yeah. Yes. Like, I've seen, I've seen the Islanders win Stanley Cups, four of them. I've seen the Yankees win World Series, several of them. Well, people in Chicago saw I, the Bulls. I have, uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. No, but I mean my, my teams. But I've never seen the Knicks win a championship. I've never seen the Jets win a Super Bowl. I've never seen the Jets in a Super Bowl. So I don't even know how I would feel about that because I'm so used to oh getting this far and then something happening. You know happening. how annoying that would be if the Jets got to a Super Bowl? We would be un- insufferable as a fan base. Uh, annoying. Oh, no, 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 no. With oh. all the screaming and the yes. hollering. And we, the- would, we would – we would screaming be. people's names loudly down Keith, the street. Do you remember in the in the spring, just this spring, when the Knicks won a playoff game yeah. in the first round, a single playoff game, and all it did was even the series? Did you see the scene on Seventh Avenue and Thirty yeah. Third Street? Yeah, it was as it was as if in any other market a championship had been won. So in a couple of years, maybe Wilson will take him to a championship or a Super Bowl. Maybe, maybe. Like that's, I think that's what we're all waiting for, waiting on that. But you don't seem to have that that confidence in him. Like you're all about look right, right? That's your he's, thing. He's, he just looks like he's in high school. His face, he looks young, he looks really, very, really. He looks young, man. Yeah. Like, damn, when did you get? You just came from the prom, like. <laughs> but I, but he might turn out to be a good quarterback. I don't know. I, I I need to see it in regular season. Right. You know, I need to see what they got going. You know, yeah. I just need to see it. Yeah. It's look again the injury, the loss, and for people to understand, it's a very frustrating thing to happen because it's one piece that you were excited to see. No, no one has any any reason to believe this was going to be some type of a successful season, meaning playoffs, anything else. But you're hoping it's building towards something. More frustration for Jets fans. So, anyways, I still can't wait for the Jets season to start because I'm a fan. Even though they make me sad, I'm still a fan. So, we'll discuss more of that coming up next after I have this from Granger. For all the ones who get it done, Granger's always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches, plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, click Granger.com, or just stop by. As a fan, this is amazing. This no, it is the is. time of the year. This is what we talked about. This is real, this man. Is real. Are you ready? Because I'm ready. This is Marty Smith, and I'm ready. This is Max Kellerman, and the Giants are ready. This is Keyshawn Johnson. The Carolina Panthers are ready. Zellin Hahn, I'm ready. Football is back, and it kicks off every morning with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin and continues all day right here on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Play fake by Newton. Time to throw it to Myers on the crossing route. Turns along the sideline. Inside the five. Inside the pylon. Touchdown, Patriots. That was a call on 98.5, the sports hub. Cam Newton was wicked good. The Patriots beat the Eagles 35-0. Jalen Hurts was scratched before kickoff for the Eagles. We'll discuss that in a moment. But Cam Newton, wicked good. He was started the game for the Pats, 8-9, 103 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, three series, and then rookie Mac Jones took over. Jones also productive, going 13 of 19, 146 yards, over four series, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Very clean game for him. Okay, so Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts was a late scratch from the game because of a stomach infection, according to the team. He did test negative for COVID-19. To the NBA, Bart Scott's favorite player, LeBron James. LeBrick. Not happy after not getting a single vote for best player in an off-season survey by ESPN of 10 NBA scouts and executives. So, of course, he took to social media. He responded with a tweet sarcastically saying he was washed up as a player, then sent out a separate one saying, thank you, as if I didn't need more to fuel me. Hashtag washed king. A woman was denied permanent restraining order against Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer. A temporary restraining order against Bauer has been dissolved after a Los Angeles County Superior Court judge ruled against a woman's request for the order. The judge determined that Bauer didn't pose a threat to the 27-year-old woman who accused him of sexual assault over the course of two sexual encounters and that her injuries were not the result of anything she verbally objected to. Sports Center presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit progressive.com. I'm having a blast. I really just have a strong passion for this game. I don't want to let my teammates down. I'm just going to make sure I can do everything in my control to make sure I'm prepared. Even if it's all on you, it's no pressure. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Key steps in to get up. So who joins me? My man, Bart hey. Scott. What up, Home Slice? So you're on this show called Bart and Han. How is it? Um, it's good. I heard we it's half you. good. Yeah we, yeah, we miss you. <laughs> we miss you over there, man. <laughs> I miss it's you been, as man, well. It's been crazy, man. Why can't the Jets have nice things? Why can't we have nice things? See, at least finally somebody sitting next to me that understands. A former Jet that understands the Jet misery. Because Key's like telling me, oh, they weren't going to be good anyway. Yeah, what does it matter? Like, Listen, uh, Key's bitter, right? Key's a buccaneer. He, he, listen, he, he, he took off his Jet hat a long time ago. Mm. I tell you what, you know, they, listen, they were arguably with Lawson would probably have one of the best defensive lines in the game, right? Think about Quentin Williams ascending, mm-hmm. being able to have a true pass rusher next to him. Haven't had a true pass rusher since John Abraham. Abraham. Now you can't double-team either one of them. You get the slide coverage, which allows Rankins, 
Fadakasi, all the other guys, Myers on the other side, to get one-on-ones. You expect them, I hope that they can win, to protect that young secondary. Now everything's out of the window. you got to be more aggressive. The quarterback's going to be able to burp the baby. You're going to have to blitz people, and you're going to expose your back end. You get, you know, C.J. Mosley. You know, he shows you arguably that he's the greatest 57 in the history of the Jets organization. How dare you? And he hurts himself in the first damn half. Haven't seen him in two years. The most high-priced offseason acquisition that they got this year, two seasons later, Carl Lawson looks great, right? Gets hurt in the first. It happens again. That was my point. Now, all around the country, they're going, why are we talking about the Jets the Jets are not going to be good. Okay. It's, it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective of a, of a team that drafted very high in the draft at number two, and they took a quarterback – and Bart and Zach Wilson moved up aggressively. Get Vera Tucker. They're, they're starting well, to that was also that was key too. That the Vera Tucker thing, like that, obviously was uh, a nice addition to upgrade the offensive line. Yes. Another piece there as well after last year, Makai Becton in the first round. So it's it's we're watching with Joe Douglas. The rebuild of a team. Yeah. And this is, I mean, you'd call this year two of a rebuild, even though yeah. he's been there three it, years, because yeah. this is only his second draft. Yeah, it didn't count, right? It didn't count. And you talk about, you know, what he was able to do in the offseason, going out and getting Morgan Moses. You know, that's, that was big right there. Like, now you can say, okay, we're putting Zach Wilson, a young rookie quarterback, out there to, and we're throwing him to the Wolves. Not so quickly. He has some backup. You think about Elijah Moore. You think about, you know, Crowder staying being there, going out and going to get Davis. You know, Mims taking and Corey the Davis, step. right. Well, yeah, it was Corey a nice Davis, addition as well. Mims taking season. it, right? The, the good mm-hmm. draft of Michael Carter, who people believe should have been a second-round draft pick. Listen, this was a team that may not be going to the playoffs, but this was a team that was going to let everybody know that they were ascending, right? Ascending much like the San Francisco 49ers team did just a couple of years before Kyle Shanahan got there. He's building this team in the right way. They still have tremendous draft equity going forward. Next year, two first-round draft picks. They can go get two great guys. But now you're going to have Carl Lawson on the three-year deal, and you're not going to see him the first year of the deal. Now, I'll read something that Carl Lawson wrote on Instagram in a moment. Bart Scott joining us right now in the studio, giving us the straight talk, like he always does. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. So Carl Lawson went to Instagram after the injury to say, for those who truly know me, know what this is. Know that this is like a flesh wound to me. God's with me. I control what I can control, so I'm always back better. Loved ones, friends, and fans, please, please keep your chins up so I can raise minds higher. Flesh wound. That's all it is. It's an Achilles, Bart. Yes, you, you, for a pass Again, you're a linebacker. You're a Pro Bowl linebacker. You understand the idea of burst and the importance of that first step and everything else. An Achilles for a pass rusher. Just, just try to describe well, what, what – like, will we see him as an impact player off this injury? Are you, is that your biggest concern about him? You know, everybody responds differently. I remember T. Sizzle had the same injury, and he still went on to continue to have effective and, and, and Terrell dominant. Sucks, yeah. yeah, Terrell Suggs. Dominant Not years. all the world knows him as T. Yeah, Sizzle. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, all, you know, he was able to go out and still continue to be dominant. He's young. You hope he can bounce back. The technology and the surgeries are a lot better than it used to be. He's probably going to go down to, you know, uh, Dr. Anderson down in Charlotte who does all the foot and, and toe and all that type of, you know, type of things. But, you know, it's just another blow, right? Because now, you know, we really can't evaluate Quentin Williams. We wanted to see Quentin Williams potentially have a dominant season. And now we don't know, right? He's coming back, and we haven't seen it. We were anticipating that he was going to be dominant. Um, and, and, and we just don't know how you respond coming back to that because, you know, usually what happens when you come back from injury, compensation. So you worry about the Achilles, and then now you worry about, okay, ACL, what's going to be different on him? He's going to be a guy that's need to, to really, you know, um, rush from one side or the other based on what's ever Achilles that he hurt. 
these these dual practices now, these joint practices that you're seeing in the NFL, it's, it's really become you know more and more of a thing. And leading into preseason game, that's when this happened. This happened was the Jets and the Packers were in uh, their combined practices. What are those about, and why? Why do, why do teams? Why is this becoming a thing now? And yes. could it lead to injuries? Because when you're going against your own teammates, you're always going to be careful. Nobody wants to hurt each other, right? But when you're going against another team, you go green light. Yeah, and you're going you're going too hard, right? And you can, because you're trying to you know go against them, you're trying to impress them. You see fights that are happening. You hear yep. about John Gruden, and you think about the Rams yesterday. You know, putting his team on a bus. You know, because you don't have the sense of respect for you know, that opponent, because you look at him as an opponent and you want to show them up and send a statement. You know, the reason why teams are doing this is because this basically supplements the lack of a preseason game. So now you can have, you know, guys put, put in situations against their ones and your ones different from a preseason game, you know, because you can coordinate the segments and, and the drills and everything with the opposing coach. When you get into a preseason game, you can't simulate, okay, let me see your guys in two minutes. Yeah. Let me get my defense in two minutes. Right, right, and, right. But what happens is when those guys play all during the week, you see a lot of the starters don't actually play in the game because you got what you needed to see from the starters. So now you want to get the young guys in there because you know that they're cheated, the undrafted free agents, the late-round draft picks. How do you assess them? You need to see them in live games. You can have veterans in segments against other great players because it's hard in your practice to have good ones against the ones because it's a little diluted. Not all teams are built the same. What did you see last night from the Patriots? Well, I saw what the Patriots have. You know, I see what their blueprint is, right? And their blueprint isn't for them to have a dominant quarterback, a quarterback that's going to have gaudy numbers. What it is is for them to have a, a strong running game. They ran for 207 yards, mm -hmm. but they have 44 attempts. They have two tight ends, arguably the best offensive line in the game. Now that Trent Brown came came back from the uh, Rams, Isaiah Wynn, uh, Shaq Mason, Andrews. This is how the Patriots were built when Tom Brady was a young pup. So this is a user-friendly offense, which allowed Cam. The reason why Cam was good in the pocket is because he has a great offensive line. Yeah. He was able to stay in the middle of the eye of the hurricane where it's safe, and he was able to step up. He wasn't being flushed, right? It was a nice pocket for him to step up in and windows for him to throw through. That's something that he didn't have last year. That's why we saw Cam inaccurate throwing on the run, not being able to plant his back foot. But it wasn't just him. We were able to see mac and cheese step up and devil the ball the same way as well. And every quarterback's going to be great. If Cam can't be successful in this, in this type of system, and arguably the best personnel that he's probably ever had in his career, then it's over with for Cam. The fact feel, that it's close, yeah. Uh, it kind of feels like, though, that the Patriots are going to be the Patriots again. Like, of course. It feels like that's not – that Don't sleep on yep. this team. Because that defense is dominant on that side of the ball. This yep. team that was 7-9 last year, and now you give them arguably the best offensive line, they're going, they're going to make sure that it's a possession game. What they're going to do is what they always try and do, try and get up by two scores and then make you one-dimensional and have to throw the ball to get ahead, and Bill's going to have some type of blitz that he saved and get you behind the sticks. Bart Scott, he's on a terrific show. It's called Bart and Han. It starts mm, at noon on show. ESPN Radio. You should catch it. It's half good. <laughs> Half-baked. <laughs> Only on the weekends. Bart Scott <laughs> joins it. Brought to you by Barbasol Shaving Cream. Choose Barbasol, Barbasol. Shaving Cream for thick lather and close, comfortable shave. Y'all ain't got no reason for me. I can do one of Keyshawn Reed. You want to do one of Keyshawn Reed? Here. What Keyshawn? You want to do this one? That. Let me finish this one. Oh, Barbasol, the American original for over 100 years. Better buy Barbasol. Coming up, two members of a three-man band 
are going to fight tomorrow. We'll explain what we're talking about after Bart tells you about Indeed. No, I'm Keyshawn. Finding the perfect <laughs> hire can feel like searching for a needle in a bottomless haystack of resumes. Indeed makes hiring fast and simple with 135 skills tests to help candidates prove they have the experience the job requires. Their powerful hiring platform even helps you schedule and conduct video interviews right on their site, which is probably why Indeed delivers four times more hires than all the other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. To learn more about finding your next great hire, visit Indeed.com slash credit. Take that, Keyshawn. A football Friday on the way with me, Greeny, and Darrell Moose Johnston breaking down what we saw in the quarterback battle in New England Thursday night and a whole lot more. Don't miss it. It's Greeny starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For some wrestling today, Key, SummerSlam this weekend. You fired up? Oh, yeah, for I'm sure. Course, I, was, I thought you were going to continue to read something. No, I, 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 don't, I don't have yeah, no. anything to read other than to say that SummerSlam is this weekend. I used to go, I don't know if it was called WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I used yeah. to go to All that, that going on, young. too. Yeah. It was fun. Well, we've got a two-time WWE champion joining us right now on the Goodyear Hotline. That is Drew McIntyre. Drew, good morning. How are you? I'm fantastic, guys. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. Uh, you know, when you travel around, as athletes always do, there's certain markets, certain places you go where the fans are a certain way. Like, he always talks about Philadelphia. And the fans there get on his case, get on the, the athlete's case all the time. They're tough fans in Philadelphia. As a lot of people will remind you, they once booed Santa Claus. So for you, in your travels as a professional wrestler, what, is, there a, is there a market, is there a city that you go to and you're like, these people are tough here. Uh, I put Philadelphia up there, you know, along with places like New York. You know, they're very educated about WWE. And if you're not giving them 100% or they don't quite believe in a character, they're going to very loudly make their opinion heard. But thankfully, they've always been very good to Drew McIntyre and always got behind me. Yeah. yeah. Drew, beside the lack of crowds, what, was the, what has been the biggest challenge, um, you know, in this pandemic for wrestling? Uh, I mean, the lack of crowd is absolutely um, the top of the list. Now, we're such an interactive product. For every other sport, you know, it's been difficult not having the fans there. And you see the fans back, you know, baseball, football, et cetera. 
it's like, okay, awesome. We've got that atmosphere back. But for WWE, you know, we are back and forth with that audience. They make such a difference to our shows, and there's nothing that comes close to losing our audience during that time that was so difficult. That's why to have them back this past month has been such a difference maker. And the fact that we're going to have over 40,000 fans at Allegiant Stadium for SummerSlam this weekend just blows my mind. And I'm so excited because it's been about a year and a half plus since we've had that many people in the same place. So you mean to tell me you got the, you, you just ready to go. You all fired up now that the crowds are back. Oh, I'm so fired up. As I say, this past month plus, having the fans there for our televised events or non-televised events, there was so much energy from the beginning of the show to the end of the show. I've been here in Vegas the past two days, just doing all the special events for the fans, working with some of our charitable organizations, did a thing with Special Olympics last night, just been around everybody again. And feeling that energy and that excitement for SummerSlam just means the world to me. And I know it's going to be so freaking loud. 40,000 WWE fans are going to sound like 150,000 fans on Saturday. Drew McIntyre joining us right now on the Goodyear Hotline. SummerSlam on Saturday. Yes, fans in the building as well. And, and, and as you mentioned, like there's, there is something about the adrenaline that is certainly added to it when you get the crowds and, of course, the raucous crowds that – that, of course, uh, wrestling does bring in. But it, it, it's going to be an interesting night for you because you're wrestling against a former tag team partner in Jinder Mahal. What, what, what should we expect from this? You guys have had some history together now going against them. Yeah, I mean, I'm very happy for Jinder. He's somebody I've been friends with for over 10-plus years with very similar paths. And we got signed to WWE very young in our early 20s. Got huge opportunities. Then everything slipped away and we both basically got our asses fired. And then we had to work our way back to the company and we worked extremely hard. Jinder became WWE champion first. Then I became two-time WWE champion. Now we have this big match on the biggest stage together. I feel so proud for Jinder, but at the same time, I feel bad for him because I'm going to have to beat him up and embarrass him and kick his head off and win this damn match. So you're a triple crown champion, a Royal Rumble winner in the WWE. What else is there, you know, what, what is there left? Well, I want to get my WWE Championship back because, you know, we talked about not having fans there. It took me 20 years to become WWE Champion. I beat Brock Lesnar in five minutes with no fans there. I regained my WWE Championship and the Thunderdome against Randy Orton with virtual fans there. And even though I've been WWE Champion for over 300 days, I've never been champion with fans present in the stands. Mm. So my goal now is to win back my title. So I've actually got fans in the crowd I can hold up that title in front of. I got one. I, I got one for you. The top rope, though, that'll get it back. Get on the top rope and just dive off right onto that dude's head, and you you'll get to get it back. He's giving you strategy here, Drew, as if you need it, right? Uh, that's a good strategy, right there. You know, I'm six foot five, two hundred and seventy pounds. Generally, I'm better on the ground, just beating the crap out of my opponent. But if I get up on the top rope jump off the top rope and just punch my opponent in the face from the top rope because I don't do anything athletic. I don't do flips. But if I come off the top rope with a punch to the face, it's going to be a hell of a punch. Yeah, yeah, no kidding with all that size. But, you know, you mentioned it, though, like like to, to win. It's a big deal to win, obviously, your, your, your first title. But to celebrate and then you're in an empty building when you're doing it, that was the whole bizarre thing about what was going on. We've seen it all across sports. You know, in the NBA bubble, like you win a championship and it's like you're celebrating, but it doesn't feel real. So for you, this is an opportunity to have not just a celebration for yourself, but to have thousands of people also celebrating with you. When you watch it back, 
And I know they had the pumped-in crowd noise for you, but is it harder to enjoy it like that first time around because it just didn't have that same feel with thousands of people in the crowd? Uh, I mean, yes, I know. I had mixed feelings about it because obviously as a kid, I didn't imagine myself winning the WWE title in the main event of WrestleMania in front of nobody. But, you know, being in the nature of the times we were in, the fact that every other sport and entertainment company shut down and WWE were going to push ahead as the only original content, the only escape for people across the world. And WrestleMania was over two days. I was the very last match. I had a bit of a feel-good story going into it, and me winning the title could make a lot of people happy. Like I knew winning it, it was a special moment. But then to see the feedback afterwards, the positivity during such a difficult time at the height of the pandemic, 14 million unique social media interactions over WrestleMania weekend, it was still a special moment for me, but I can't wait to get a chance to hold the title in front of life fans. Man, enjoy it. Good luck. All the best. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. And make sure you check out SummerSlam. Once you get that eyes and that visual of over 40,000 WWE live fans, you're going to get the feeling inside of, damn, finally, we're back to normal. <laughs> thank oh, you, guys. Absolutely. Uh -huh. You got it. Drew McIntyre, again, two-time WWE champion, but for the first time getting that opportunity to fight for the belt, get it back in front of a huge crowd. That's been the difference, obviously, in all of right? And you're telling him to go top rope. The guy's 6'5", 270. Yeah, he can take care of the dude doing that and get his belt back. Claymore kick, that's what you do. Mm. No? I go top rope. You go on top rope? Have you ever even tried anything like that? Mm. Imagine being that big and doing that kind of... No, no? I was going to do Would something. you go in a ring, like, just for fun? I was supposed to when Parcells... <laughs> he told you not to? Mm, yeah. That was a good fun. business decision.